Good morning. It's good to be uh, together and focusing on my, our minds on the true meaning of Christmas. It's very easy for it to get away from us. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. The shops and the advertisers have been telling us for some time now that the Christmas season is upon us. It's almost as if they started at Easter and have just been brewing up and now they're really going. Are you jolly? Tis the season to be jolly. Well, looking at you, I would say no. I don't know, I don't go into shopping centres this time of the year if I can avoid it and I've avoided it up till now and I can't see any reason why I will need to go before Christmas. Uh, get a bit of food but that's it. Are they singing Christmas carols this year already or have that just gone off the radar now and Christ is so pushed out of Christmas that carols in the shopping centres, do you hear them on the music and all that? Yeah, okay. Or maybe you've heard some words like these. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Maybe these words from angels from the realms of glory. God with us is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship or these from Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. These words and these carols are expressing what is almost inexpressible in words, the incarnation. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us from that reading in John 1. And I love John 1, these first 18 verses. It's my Christmas story. It doesn't talk about kings and, and um, babies and Mary and Joseph and shepherds and angels. It doesn't talk about any of that. But this is a profound piece of writing from John. And I'm always left with a sense of awe and mystery when I read this, it's, it's telling me there's more. There's more. That's what I love about it. It gives me something to ponder afresh every time I read it. And I love the way that Max Licardo expresses this whole thing of the word becoming flesh in his book, God Came Near. And I want to read you a portion of um, that as Max Licardo wrote it. It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent in one instant made himself pierceable made himself breakable. He who'd been spirit became vulnerable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. 
And he who sustains the world with a word chose to, to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God came near. His first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused and dirty. Angels watched as Mary changed God's nappy. Jesus may have had pimples, may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure, he was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak, he grew weary, he was afraid of failure, he got colds, burped and had body odour. His feelings got hurt, his feet got tired and his head ached. And for some to think of Jesus in such a light, well, it seems irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation, clean the manure around from the manger. He's easier to stomach that way. There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged and predictable. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and muck of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. It really is amazing, isn't it? God stepped out of eternity and became a human, ba a human being, a baby born of a virgin. God in Jesus took on our human existence in all its frailty, in all its vulnerability. God became veiled in flesh. He entered into the midst of human corruption and disorder, brokenness and disease, pain and suffering. He made our creaturely weakness his very own form of being. He did not play as a human being. He was a human being. He accepted the limitations that are part and parcel of human existence. The great writer C.S. Lewis called this the grand miracle. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now I could take you to literally walls full of books written on what the word means that have been written over the centuries to help us understand this passage. Here's my two sentence worth. The word points to the truth that it is the very nature of God to reveal himself. Remember that. The word points to the truth that it is the very nature of God to reveal himself. A person's word is the means whereby he reveals what he's thinking 
I'm speaking now using words to reveal what I've been pondering on and thinking about this week so that you get it. I'm revealing to you what's in my mind. Leon Morris, a great Australian Anglican scholar, said, If we may put it so, the word of God is his thought uttered so that man can understand it. And what was the word? It became flesh so that we can understand God. That's it, as simple as I can put it. God is not thought of as aloof and distant and indifferent to his world. He reveals himself in Jesus and enters the world. God chose to make himself known finally and ultimately in a real historical man, Jesus. I often get asked, give me some watertight arguments to prove that Christianity is true. Give me some words that will prove that Christianity is true. You know what the word I give them is? Jesus. A person. It's rare that you can argue someone into the kingdom. But I tell you what, Jesus has got a good chance. He's God revealed we've been given a real person not a watertight argument i think that is so amazing listen to how john put it uh, a little later on in this chapter in chapter 1 verse 18 and i'm reading from the message no one has ever seen god not so much as a glimpse this one of a kind god expression the word made flesh who exists at the very heart of the father has made him plain as day jesus makes father god as plain as day this is stunning that the god of eternity has made jesus has given us jesus to make himself known plain as day. He's bridged the huge chasm between heaven and earth by moving into our neighbourhood. We could never bridge that gap. What a huge thing he did. What an incredible act of vulnerable love as we're going to discover. And it's the writer of Hebrews who draws out the implications of the truth that the word became flesh and moved into our neighbourhood. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 and on. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and I, he, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful or a compassionate and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted the incarnation demonstrates god's identification with us in our human life and in particular in our weakness and our suffering god understood us because he fully experienced our human condition in jesus this is it's hard to find words sometimes. God 
really does understand us because he has experienced us in Jesus. Hunger, loneliness, homeliness, grief, rejection, betrayal, torture, injustice, you name it, God has experienced it all in Jesus. Have you ever been betrayed? So has he. Are you broke? So was he. Are you lonely? So was he. Are you facing death? So did he. Is illness stalking at your door? We could go on. That's why he's called the wonderful counsellor. Because he's been where we are now. It means that God has come out of remoteness, somewhere way up there, and come into closeness. God has come near in Jesus, very near. The other figure in the fire. You know as well as I that people who've shared the same experience have a kind of bond together. You watch someone who's got cancer, or hears someone over there's got cancer, and just watch them come together. And sh- they don't have to say any words. They just look at each other and give each other a hug, cry with each other, laugh with each other. Why? Common experience. This is from John Claypool, who's a retired Anglican priest, and he said this, When I was a very young minister and had not yet myself been initiated into the fraternity of grief, I love that phrase from my perspective of past, not yet initiated into the fraternity of grief, I remember being called once to minister to the widow of a farmer. Her husband had just died, and I went with all my earnest intent to be as much comfort as I could to her. But I'd never lost a significant person in my life. Most of my knowledge of grief was abstract and academic. And so I went and said the best words I knew to say. I tried to convey my care. While I was doing this, there came into the room where we were another older woman about this widow's age. She walked across the room with hardly a word. She embraced the grieving person saying, I understand, my dear. I understand. Someone told me later that this second person had lost her husband six months before and therefore she came out of a shared understanding of what my friend was experiencing. And I could almost see the bridges of understanding coming into existence between them. That woman who had shared the same experience as my grieving friend had a way of connecting, had a way of making clear that she understood that I was not able to because I'd not walked in her shoes. God knows what it's like to live like us as a human being. He's walked in our shoes in Jesus. And it means there's nothing in you and I face today that's going to be strange to God. Nothing. And I call that really good news the word became flesh now john 1:14 literally says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us that's really the best translation of 
that word. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And here John is asking us to remember Moses' encounter with God coming across the Red Sea, that release from slavery into freedom, that redemptive act, and then the whole of Mount Sinai. And remember when they got to Mount Sinai, they were given the Ten Commandments, Moses came down and broke them all on the golden calf. Well, he went back again and received the commandments a second time. And when he's there sharing with God just before he gets, he says, hey God, I want to see your face. I want to see who you are. I want you to show me your glory. Come on. I want connection with you. And do you remember what God says? I can't do that. My glory will kill you. You'll not survive it. And he said, this is what I'm going to do though. He said, let's build a tabernacle, a great tent. It will be my dwelling place and my glory will be concealed in the tent. So when you get away from the Ten Commandments here, build this tent and I'll conceal my glory in that tent on the seat of the covenant. You'll have priests there to do sacrifices for you. They'll be, they'll be there too to help you celebrate the day of atonement, the day of sacrifice for sin. So the glory is hidden away in the tabernacle. Look, move with them through the desert you see what this passage is saying now the glory of god is revealed to us openly now in jesus and we can see it it's not going to kill us it's in jesus it's a really powerful thing the glory of god is now revealed as we do it in this Easter, this Christmas in a baby. I want to encourage you to read the gospel slowly. Do a little bit less shopping that's not so merry and happy and do a little more pondering on the stories of the gospels. Get into the stories. Be part of the stories. Look at Jesus and drink in the revealed glory of God. And let it burn into your soul. And more, in these Exodus revelations in John 1, we see the revelation of the Redeemer, the Saviour, the one who took on flesh that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. That's what's being revealed in the word become flesh. The Saviour is revealed. The dealing with sin. It was this humanity, yours and mine, that the Word became flesh, eventually took to the cross and redeemed. Do, do, we, do we understand that? It's our humanity, in His humanity, that He took to the cross and redeemed, dealt with, the sin. How amazing and great is the word become flesh. And he did this so that he might make us what he is. He became us so that he might make us 
what he is. He's the son of the father. We're the children of the father through the cross of Christ. So this is an invitation, I believe, for us to join in the wonder of being children of glory. If you said yes to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, then it's time to wonder in the glory of being a child of God. It's a call to enjoy the beauty of a relationship with the three in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, to revel in what they share with us because the word became flesh. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Is it any better now, 10 minutes later? Or it could be. The incarnation, this Godhead veiled in flesh, it truly is a wonderful and glorious mystery. You will never get to the end of it. You never will. Pondering the word become flesh will put the jollies back in the Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, we weren't living 2,000 years ago when the word became flesh. But as I listen to people today and as I listen to the news stories and so on, there's a sense of despair in our culture right now. There's a sense of despair about what's going on in our climate. There's huge loss as we think of the bushfires that are burning because everything's so dry and we're in drought. There's a sense of despair about where our governments are going or not going. There's a sense of despair that we live on a frivolous edge of life, that no one's really concerned about the real matters that are going on in around us. There's some that live with a sense of Oh, I'm giving up on family life. It's all too hard. Who are living with the battering of health issues. Thank you, Jesus, that you entered our world. You didn't enter some world that was clinically clean. You entered this world of ours. Thank you that you understand where we are at right now. And thank you that you've revealed your son Jesus that we might know him in the midst of the circumstances we are in. Thank you. And thank you too that in Jesus we have someone who rescues us from our sinful self and gives us a new life. Thank you that the word who was with God and was God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Thank you. Amen.